You're listening to the Live Church Livonia podcast, a show where you can hear the teachings from our weekend gatherings. You can catch the full service on our Facebook or YouTube and head over to our website if you'd like to give. Here we're real people following a real God and experiencing real life. Welcome to Life Church Livonia. Good morning, Life Church. Uh, it's my privilege once again to share with you the Word of God this morning from the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, 6, and 7 is the most central, quintessential teaching of Jesus. And the first 16 verses in the fifth chapter is the heart of the heart, is the most important things for us to grab hold of. So uh, you've had a great opportunity to reflect on this and hear Alex and others uh, share from the Beatitudes. And I'm going to continue that today with uh, verses 13 through 16, which are still talking about the Beatitudes and are essentially a conversation about salt and light. And we'll begin by reading it aloud and looking at it on the screen. Jesus said, You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put down its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father who is in heaven. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, as several of you know, I am a lifetime de- Detroiter. I was part of what people called the Jesus People Movement uh, in the early 70s. And at that time, there was a coffee house in Detroit called Salt and Light Company. I went and heard Nancy Honeytree, who most of you probably have never heard of. She was my first experience of hearing uh, someone on some kind of broader level than local uh, sing out the glory of who Jesus was. And it was uh, memorable. That place is long gone, but it's still salty. Uh, in my heart and mind, and I can remember words that were sung that night about uh, about our Lord Jesus, but I'll save that for a different time. So what does it mean to be uh, the salt of the earth? In our culture, we tend to think of salt as seasoning. And uh, in some way, uh, believers do really season life in a positive way. 
but and uh, think of life without refrigeration and uh, without freezers. And uh, what happens to meat, fish, uh, anything like that? Well, it will rot in a very short period of time and be inedible. Jesus is saying to his followers, essentially, you are what will keep the world from rotting, from just becoming so bad that uh, this world is a place where people can't live anymore. These beatitudes, these uh, uh, character issues that Jesus wants to develop in his followers is what keeps the world from rotting and falling apart. That uh, to be poor in spirit, you know, I think about all the political polarity we live in in the last year or two, and even uh, controversy about masks and wearing masks. Whatever happened to poverty of spirit? that uh, it's not about what I think or what I wish that I need to project on you, but it's about uh, a willingness to be humble, a willingness to put needs and perhaps sometimes even beliefs of others ahead of my own, to be a meek person that things don't have to be my way. This is what keeps the world from rotting. This is what keeps the church from rotting. And nothing is, uh, I remember a musical from days gone by, and it's not good enough for me to tell you the title. But um, uh, there's a song in it that nothing's worse than a man who thinks he's good. And a man who's just so confident of, himself and his own biases and his own belief system that he projects death. And uh, he's so sure he's right. Don't ask me how I know this man so well because I've seen him in my mirror. And um, there is a way of living. There is a way even of being a religious person or uh, we may think of ourselves as a person of faith that is just projecting a very hate-filled persona that diminishes uh, other people's uh, existence, their, their beliefs, their fears. Uh, this beatitude system that Jesus is teaching about is the only way this world will be kept from rotting. It's the only way our church will be kept from rotting, our community. Jesus is saying, if you live in my light and you let me make you into this salt, um, something great is going to happen. Apart from it, we deteriorate. Everything in life deteriorates. Apart from the generating life 
of the Spirit of God, truly. And nothing embodies that more than these Beatitudes. So Jesus is saying, if in your relationships with people, you are really seeking to be poor in spirit, you are salt in that relationship, and you are going to preserve that relationship from deterioration. If you mourn over everything that's broken in the world, if you mourn over other people's suffering, if you mourn over your own pride and your own sins and your own uh, self-interest all the time coming first, uh, there's comfort for you from God's world and you become salt. I become salt in that situation. If we hunger for what's right, all the way across the board, not hunger for everybody to see how right we are, but hunger for the Jesus way, the Jesus way. I remember a book called uh, Revolution of Love by George Verwer, and it talked about two people in a church. You have to use your imagination for this, but two people in a church having a falling out and having a huge jerking argument with each other and yelling at each other. And uh, one of the leaders comes over and takes him aside and he's talking to one of them and, and it's like, that person is just so wrong. And, and uh, you know, it, and I'm trying to explain to them how wrong they are. And the leader said, well, could you say that uh, you were in the spirit? when you were having that conversation and they're like, well, 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 no, I wasn't in the spirit, but I was right. And uh, the leader says, but doesn't it say from the flesh comes no good thing? What comes from our flesh is rotting, even if we think we're right. So these Beatitudes are transformative. And believe me, I've been reading this teaching of Jesus and hearing this teaching of Jesus for 50 years, and I do not have it down. I do not have it down. I stand before it, and uh, the Word of God is transforming me, and I need to be transformed daily. That's what keeps salt uh, in my faith, and that's what will keep my relationships from falling apart with my family, with my faith community, with my neighborhood, with my nation, with my world. And um, it's, it's the teaching that Jesus gives us. Now, he also says with this, if you lose your salt, if you lose your saltiness, how can that be restored? I'm very grateful that he didn't say it cannot be restored. But he does say, how would that happen? So uh, most of us are familiar with uh, romance, where when the first signs of a romance are developing, everything seems just so great. Uh, but so oftentimes, uh, that sense of being does not remain. And it becomes a distant memory and 
may maybe even is thought to never having been real in the first place. Um, the same can happen in our relationship with Jesus. That uh, have you ever had that that sense of wonder? You know that sense of God is in the house. God loves me. God is calling me. Is healing me. Is is forgiving me. And uh, oh, how great it is to be in the kingdom of God. That's how we feel today, right? Uh, but the reality is we can lose that saltiness. Uh, and we can become dull. It's never God who's at fault with this. But I do become dull um, whenever I, you know, it's like gravity. I will be pulled away from the beauty of the kingdom of God, even as a professing Christian, if I don't lean in and humble myself and sit at the feet of Jesus. So sometimes when we read a text like this, we might think, well, the bad thing for the salt is when it's thrown on the ground and people trample it. But that's not the bad thing. That, that salt's already dead. It's already lost its saltiness. Um, when you and I are dead in our relationship with God, and one of the ways we can tell that is there's, we're dead in a lot of our relationships with other people too. And angry. Anger is not a fruit of the Spirit. And uh, James will tell us, especially the anger of a person will never bring about the righteousness of God. And so it's one thing to hunger and thirst for righteousness and for things to be right and to be zealous that way. But anger, especially as a male, I will say it's the most accessible emotion for males. Um, even driving over here, I... I probably at least six times with fellow drivers, I'm saying, really? Really? Really, you gonna cut me off like that? Really, you gonna ride your bike right in front of me? Really? And like, I'm the king and center of the universe, and by the time the ride's over, I'm so emotionally wrung out from letting anger reign instead of the Beatitudes reign, and all of that is uh, a lack of saltiness in my salt. So we need to come to Jesus, come to Jesus all the time to retain the saltiness in our life. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Last week, Evelyn Evelyn and I were camping, tent camping uh, on Lake Michigan, just off Lake Michigan around Manistee. And it reminded me what darkness is. It's no joke. Uh, how many of you use your flashlight on your phone? You know, in an urban setting, it's almost never really dark. But where there is no light, is a scary thing. I mean, even if you just are walking across the road to uh, 
make a trip somewhere. It's serious business without light. Jesus says that those of us who let these teachings of his shape us uh, will have light to live by and will give light to others. Sometimes uh, we're not aware of the fact that we don't have light because we're around other people who are letting their light shine. So we're not feeling like we're in the dark. But there are certain to come days and times in each of our lives where if we don't have light in and of ourselves, we're going to be in serious trouble. Um, I can remember years ago at Messiah Church, it was winter and there was a lot of snow on the ground. And uh, the state police decided to stop one of our neighbors, actually two of our neighbors, um, for a traffic violation. And uh, I felt like I should go over and give my neighbors a greeting at the same time. Uh, which provoked one of the guys shoveling snow to say, he's our pastor, he's our pastor, even though he had never been to Messiah. Um, and uh, they were led off with a warning and it ended shortly. But this man uh, came to me about a month later who was shoveling snow and he says, what's happening to me? And I said, what do you mean? He goes, I used to be happy a lot. Now, I'm not happy unless I, at my church, or I'm working around your church. And uh, I said to him, well, there's bad news and good news in that. Uh, the bad news is that you, you're lacking a light inside your own person. And so you need to be around the light of a faith community to feel that love and joy. Um, the good news is that you're recognizing that now and that God wants to be that light inside of you. He wants you to be a church, you to be a temple where he lives inside. And this man uh, welcomed Jesus into his life that morning and the next day when I went into work, I heard he passed away in his sleep. Uh, and, uh, but what, uh, what an opportunity to receive the light of God. And uh, in Mark's gospel, Jesus talks about the lamp on the lampstand, but it doesn't follow with an admonition, you let your light shine. I thought on that for a long time. Was it just shorthand and it was cut shorter? But I realized in Mark's gospel, Jesus is talking about himself. He's not talking about what we're supposed to do. Jesus is the light on the lampstand. When people saw Jesus, they were like, oh my God, is that what God is like? Really? Is this what God is like? And when Jesus is saying the kingdom of heaven is like this and like that, people are there, oh, my God. I remember uh, 
one of the members of our church asking, uh, what were 5,000 people doing out on the hillside without food? And uh, his conclusion was, they were out there without food because nobody intended to stay. But when they heard him and they saw him, it was like, really? Oh my God, what do I care about lunch? What do I care about the afternoon shift? I'm in a moment. I'm seeing God. God loves me. God cares about me. And Jesus was that tremendous light on the lampstand. He could always see his father. And others were not seeing his father, but they were seeing Jesus, seeing his father. So in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is saying, you get up on that stand and people are not going to see me. But I want them to see you seeing me. You see me. And I want them to see you seeing me. I think about the book of Acts and Stephen being on that lampstand. And he's being martyred for his faith. Uh, the Apostle Paul, whose name is Saul at that point, is holding everybody's jackets. He's holding the cloaks. But he's watching Stephen uh, profess the good news about Jesus Christ and challenging people to have a dynamic relationship with him. And uh, people start throwing stones at Stephen, and they're actually going to kill him. They're going to martyr him right there. And Stephen cries out, wait, I, 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 well, he doesn't say wait. He doesn't ask them to stop. He says, I'm seeing Jesus. Jesus is coming for me. And he's like, Jesus, forgive all these people throwing rocks at me. Please don't count this sin against them. And Paul's holding the cloaks. Really? Oh my God. Who is this guy? And what is he seeing? It is like uh, in the next chapter, or the one after that in Acts, where Paul is knocked off his horse and has his own encounter with Jesus. And I have to believe they're connected. That when people in this world see people who are seeing God, and are energized by that sight and are being poor in spirit as a consequence, not being pushy, being meek, willing to wait, hungering and thirsting for what's right, making peace uh, between people who are divided. It says that the pure in heart see God, see God. You know, none of us will ever be innocent again. Uh, innocence is uh, our condition before we ever stumble, before we ever sin and fall. But what's offered us is something greater than innocence. And anybody who is sad about your own lost innocence, 
I do have good news. In the name of Jesus, we can be pure. And uh, we can receive this as a gift. We can. That was Nancy Honeytree's song at the Salt and Light Company. Clean before my Lord I stand. And in me, not one blemish does he see. When I laid all my sin on him, he washed it all away. And this is an invitation to you and me, not just once, daily, perpetually, continually. Uh, let's say Alex and I, I, I know you have to use your imagination, but let's say we start an argument and we're both sure we're right and, and, and we got... And at some point I realize what's happening and I recognize that at the very least, I bear a degree of the fault. And uh, to just be willing to stop. Say, Lord, would you just cleanse my mind, cleanse my heart. Help me to ask Alex to forgive me. Help me to start over. Uh, great writer, George MacDonald tells a story about this uh, brother in Christ who happens to be a dwarf who has a vision of the kingdom of heaven. And his vision of heaven is like Eastern market. And people are just going around back and forth, getting everything they need. Uh, but at some point he realizes there's no money changing hands. It's just people are getting their carrots here and their eggs there and, and their stuff over here and no money is changing hands because it's everybody's pleasure to provide for each other and at one point someone says oh have mercy i'm having a greedy thought and all commerce stops and everybody in the market crashes to their knees total silence about 30 seconds later, the person says, I think I'm okay now. Everybody gets back up and goes back about their kingdom business. This can happen for you and me. We can have the light come back on. That's really what it's like for me. It's the light come back on. And my conscience, you know, every one of us have a conscience. My conscience records the best I've ever seen anywhere in any one of these Beatitudes. So I can say, nobody does that. And the spirit might say to me, what about Alex? Oh yeah, well, yeah, Alex does that. Well, okay, what about Sally? Oh, you would bring up Sally, yeah, she's always that way. And, uh, and I recognize because of other people's lamps on their lampstand that the kingdom is real that Jesus is real, that this is good news and it is potent. It's salty and it brings great light. I need to land the plane. Uh, if you are a follower of Jesus today, you've been given some lampstands already. Uh, if you are living in a family context, that's one of your lampstands where you're supposed to shine for it. If you are employed, that's a lampstand. Say, oh, those people, they don't give me a wage. And it's a lampstand to reflect the glory of God. If you live in a neighborhood, 
it's a lampstand. And each of us are given individual lampstands as well. Uh, I may have done this before, but I never worry about repeating things. My great teacher Haskell Stone said, God hasn't called us to be original. He's called us to be faithful. So this item right here represents a, a lampstand for me. It's a mezuzah. Uh, uh, devout Jewish people would put this on their doorpost uh, as they were instructed in Deuteronomy. And this actually opens, and inside is the great Shema, the great commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And so the reason it's on the doorpost is so that when they leave the house in the morning, it's the first thing they see. And they're like, oh, yeah, what am I leaving the house to do? Yeah, Lord, help me. Help me to, to love you out there. You know, with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, help me love my neighbor as myself. And when they come home at the end of the day, and they may have family waiting for them on the other side of the door, what are they coming home to do? Oh, my home is my, oh, no, my home isn't my castle. Lord, help me to love you by loving the people you've given me to live with uh, as myself. And so this is my great desire that we would be a salt and light company, that these teachings of Jesus, these Beatitudes would so embody us uh, that they would keep the world from rotting. They would keep our own world from rotting. And uh, that we would see, that we would see God and that people would see us seeing him. The first night I became a believer, when I walked in the, the meeting house, I was like, oh, what? What's going on in here? And I didn't know, but what I was seeing was people seeing God in the presence of Jesus and being changed by it. I pray to be renewed in that today. I pray the same for you. That's what I have.